podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Two winners and losers from the LSE Day Trippers. I'm Gav, and again this week it's Andy and Dicko um, bringing you the topics. Just to let people know, we will be talking about Firmino um, Par at Brighton, and then we're going to do a half an hour on Tony Bellew drawing lines on pitches and uh, VAR. Okay, um, we're just going to throw it out there so you know what's going on. Um, where do we start, Andy? How are you, Andy? Oh, good, Gav. Yeah, you. I'm good. Just um, checking my notes here. <laughs> yeah, no, I, do, I do loads of notes. Do make you? Make sure it's not last week's. Right. <laughs> yeah, make sure it's not last week. We go, uh, Salah. Uh, we talking about, uh, we talking about hotels and dubs and all. Hotels and, what we talking about that last oh, yeah. week? On holiday, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, dub. yeah. On holiday, yeah. can you spot a door? Or can you spot a yeah. scout? So yeah, yeah. Are you talking about manager being the first manager out the out the gap? Um, and yeah, that was that was old news within about twelve hours, wasn't it? When Scott Parker got the bullets. Well, Scott yeah. Parker talked himself out of that job. Like he knew he yeah. was. The pod, uh, the pod was out of date within twenty fucking <laughs> hours. Four minutes. <laughs> um, we came off and it was like he's gone. Uh, yeah, all right. But, but we know 42 it's going to be down to Swanee for it's poor old Joe. <laughs> it's going to be uh, in Albuquerque, absolutely snapping. Um, it's it's going to be Brendan Rogers, isn't it? So um, all's Next. not lost. All's not lost. Um, Roy, Dicko, how are you? Yeah, good. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of, I don't know. I I enjoyed it in a way that derby at the weekend. We'll get into it soon. But like, I don't know. It was feisty enough, wasn't it? I thought it was a good game football. We were saying we were last yeah. um, It wasn't one of those nil alls where you went. That was just dreadful from both teams, and no one was to win. There was loads of chances. Yeah, is it just? Is it just? I don't know. Like you know, being a top red and all. Sometimes is it? Is it just too easy to say we were shit? You know, nowadays is it, is, it, is it just a go to for everybody? Because I didn't think we were that bad. You know what I mean? People were saying the usual, like, you know, we're leggy, look like we're burnt out already, but I actually thought they worked hard, you know? I think, uh, I think we do look a bit tired, but I think, you know, the, the, the personnel we have, we have in certain positions, especially midfield is leaving us open. It is leaving us open where we usually pen teams in, they don't get out, you know, we, we, we nick balls off them and we just terrify them into trying to play football. You know, they're terrified of playing football. Whereas the moment they, they're getting a bit of joy out of breaking against us and stuff like that. But play bad, we played okay. Yeah, We are okay. We okay. chances, we they had a couple won, of chances. You know? We had a, we hit the post three times. Or the wood, wood three times. Three times. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. They, they had a good chance with Mo, uh, Mope and stuff like that. But, and they hit the post as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. I was asking Sean you last night, or Sean the three lads around last night. And I was saying there's a small margins, and like someone come up in the chat and said, 
look at the XG and look. Now I'm not an XG fan because I think it's bollocks. Because uh. you know it's it's not judged on the person that has the chance or where the chance is. It's a bit mental. Um, and I've made the point before: if it's windy, XG goes out the window because you have to take wind and other factors into consideration, and they don't with XG. So, but stats coming out is the amount of times Liverpool are getting balls in the box. Getting chances, getting shots, getting shots on target. They're right up there. So it probably is small margin. Look, it's just, a, it's players coming things back. Like, That's things like XG, like they, they're just part of the story. You know, um, watching a game, you'd never guess that we're having a, you know, double or treble amount of XGs or whatever the fuck you call them mm. than, um, than the opposition. Or when you look at the stat there that, Salah's created 24 chances this season and, you know, the most a player has in Europe. But, you know, watching the games, it doesn't really seem like that. I think if he's if he's creating them chances and we're winning games, right, I don't even think it goes as far as glossing over certain things. I think you just go, we won that game, we created a chance, we scored. But when we're not taking those chances... You go beyond chances. You, you stop looking at going, oh yeah, they were a good chance we missed, but you start looking deeper and going, more about that when they broke and when they, so it's a knock on effect. You know, I, I think we get players back and we're probably a bit more clinical in both boxes. Not, not massive percentages, but a little bit maybe in defense and probably even less of a percentage going forward. I think Liverpool could click, get better, win games and, you know, it could all fade away where you go, yeah, it wasn't a great start, but. Player A, B, and C are back and we're scoring and we're not conceding. And it's it's such a high level we're held to. So, mm. what, what do you make of the, the, the reality? Is we've got we've got to we've got to up it, haven't we, for the next six league games because they're, they're tougher than the first. On paper, they're tougher than the first six games. So we you know we can't really afford to stay even at the level we're at now. We, we we're going to have to kick on. We're going to have to make the most of bodies coming back and having you know five strikers available and things like this. Mm. You know we're going to have to we're going to have to really be closer to our A game with with some of the sides that we've got coming up, including Manchester City and those next six as well. And I even think like if you if you look at Man City. I don't think they played well this season. I think mm. I think they've been fairly clinical in front of goal, i.e. Haaland, right? Because yeah. we were talking about it last night. They don't, they don't even pass the ball to him. Like, they're just ignoring him until they get the ball near the box and then they give it to him. But if you actually look at them, like they they should have been 3-0 down against Palace, in my opinion. Um, they could have lost at Newcastle. They could have actually lost that game the other day as well, despite dominating. You know, from 50 to 65, like they battered Villa, like where they could have had three or four, but... You know, if I'm a Man City fan coming away from that game at the weekend, I'm saying to myself, you know what? We didn't take our chances and they got more second balls as the game went on for the last 20, 25. And our midfield wasn't as good as it should be and our defence looked a bit rocky. And, you know, and, and that's, you know, I don't know if Man City fans are saying that, but they probably are. They're probably looking mm. at it in a very similar vein to us. It's just we hear more about us than, than City, obviously, like, you know. Time will tell whether he's making a difference. I mean, so far, City are kind of doing what they did last season. At, at times, they look a little bit ropey, you know, at the beginning of last season. But they're putting teams away as well. I mean, is Haaland actually making the difference? He certainly, they're scoring more goals in a six-yard box. Like, I think he's scored more goals in a six-yard box so far this season than he did the whole last season. Or, or mm. any other player was able to last season. Sterling had three or four or something. But, like it's just a different city we're seeing now, but is it a better city? 
you know what is he going to make a difference in the big games i mean that's where the that's what he's being brought in for the big champions league games but or the, the bigger the, games against we'll only see you know, that starting this week won't we um, yeah time he, will tell yeah it, it will but yeah. like look it was a good game of football um i think it was a team in Everton that are trying to find themselves in a certain way. And I think they probably showed a little bit in fairness to them on Saturday morning or mm. early Saturday afternoon. Um, it's a team of us that aren't in form um, yeah. and, you know, missing a few and stuff like that. But look, we we all went on about 16 league games before this World Cup. I think it's 16 and we've played six. So this next 10, you you mentioned the next six. They go, I think the next 10 league games are huge. We, like yeah. Liverpool realistically probably have to put I would say 25 points on the board over the next 10 games. Mm. And do you think, do you think what's like what's happened so far this season? Like, you know, people are pointing out different, um, different things about the formation and the tactics and the amount they're not running. Mm. Like, do you think that's by design that Klopp has taken this bit of risk going into the busier schedule that hopefully we can win these games with less effort, you know, to save the legs? And maybe it's back for it a small bit that they that they've dropped far too many points than they'd hoped. I mean, it just seems like ordinary players are exposing us, and ordinary players are, are getting the runs on our defence. You know, far more exposed than we normally would be. We're not defending as a unit. We're not attacking as a unit. It seems the pitch seems to be more stretched. And then in, in in which case, there's more space in between the lines and in between players. Like I don't know, it's a boy design. At the, at the very beginning of the game, like the other day, that triangle between Elliot, Trent and Salah was really working. And then all of a sudden, they, they weren't near each other for the rest of the game, you know, until Fabinho came on. Yeah, I, look, I don't know. I don't think it was, I don't think it's by design. I think, I think players lost have been big. I think uh, if you, if you, if you mix that in with form of other players, Robertson and Trent in particular, mm. hasn't been great. And, Look, there's loads of different moving parts to it, you know, and it's okay to turn around and go, we've been poor, because I think we've been average, you know, and that, that, I don't really count that Bournemouth game, because Liverpool didn't have to get with second gear and 1-9-0, you know what I mean, but the rest of it has been average, have outrun, yeah, but we have a lot of the ball, um, but I kind of understand the outrun stuff and outworked stuff, because Liverpool, if they have 70% of the ball, in that 30% where they don't, they're all over people, they're swarming them. They're laying traps where at the moment we don't see not even not even pressing, pressing, pressing. I'm talking about you know where they used to lay traps where they'd say to they'd say to Manny, you just come in a little bit and make that centre half pass into the middle of midfield and then we'll eat him. You'll eat him alive. And we're not doing that. And mm. maybe it's legs, maybe it's just players. It can't be it can't be legs. Like it, it, can. it can't be tired. It can't be tiredness. I think it's more so like because they didn't have to be able to time to prepare and get the the fitness into the legs that by design they're not working as hard you know while they're working on other things and training I get the truth to the World Cup I get the truth to the far side it just seems strange that you would just decide all, like the players have decided all of a sudden not to work as hard like I, I, yeah, destruction I, of club no, no, and we're not, not playing I, to the not, strengths of the team you know yeah, what I mean and it's, and it's mixed it's mixed every week as to who's playing but I, I said it last night I think we're missing someone who controls things in midfield um, mm. i.e. Thiago Melo might do that I don't know but know. like Henderson doesn't control games you know Henderson works hard doesn't control games Thiago does and we've gone from being mental to controlling and it's hard to kind of I think we tried to go a bit mental at, at, on Saturday with the two we put in midfield with Fabinho but 
when you do that, like you need so many players on form. You need your fullbacks on really good form to do that. Yeah. And you know, you need Fabinho to be all over it. And Fabinho can left exposed when two nineteen year olds are just going mental going forward. But can we talk about one of the positives, Sandy? Can we talk yeah. about um we'll start with um you want to talk about I think it was you. Was it you? Yeah, f- yeah, Firmino. Uh, yeah, you want to talk about um Bobby Firmino. Yeah. So go on, talk to me. Yeah, look, he's just my winner this week. Um yeah, it must have been hard for him to take being dropped, you know, for that game. It was such a big game and he was going into a farm, but you don't hear him all. You know, he never looks petulant over anything. Um, you know, but but just like he came on and made the difference and didn't didn't make much of a fuss. I thought they improved when he came on, they looked a little bit more connected. Um but just looking at the at the wider picture, you know, he was nearly gone. Like there was talk he was going to Napoli, wasn't it? Juventus. Juventus. Um and just I think recently in the last few games and then coming on against everything, he's shown his value to the team. And, you know, he kind of knows his role in the squad. And if we want to use that transition word, that's becoming a bit of a buzzword, you know, to excuse the early, st- uh, you know, the way that things have been happening at the start of the season. Um, But if we are experiencing a transition from one generation of club team, you know, to the next, you kind of need characters like, like Bobby, you know, and Milner, you know, to kind of bridge that gap before you become that next generation of team because they have been good leaders you now throughout the you know, the fourth generation. And um like you ho- you're gonna hope he's not gonna need to be relied upon, you know, too often. But when you need him, he's not letting us down. Um, you know, I think we're blessed to have him and uh, um, no doubt he wouldn't want to be anywhere else in the world either, except at Liverpool. And I think his influence he has over the squad and the younger players is you know, was you can't buy that really. So I mean, he's impressed me lately. I'm sure he's impressed most of fans, and uh, that's why he's the my winner of the week. Dicko, has he impressed you? Yeah, he has. I mean, I, I was on a uh, you know um, slating him really a few weeks back, saying you know he's essentially finished. You know, and uh, was starting to scratch my head a little bit about. Um, what his what his contribution is likely to be, especially as if you think of him as a kind of down the pecking order type of player, um, is is he's never really been that impactful when he's come off the bench generally. So it was good to actually see, you know, him him coming off the bench on Saturday and making such a positive impact. Obviously, off the back of starting games and actually being able to make a positive contribution. I mean he was he was he was very good against um Newcastle obviously got involved in a lot of the goals against Bournemouth and you it's easy to take take that as an as an outlier as a lot of that game is. But um no, I mean he's 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 gonna have a very important role. We we know that we're gonna get injuries um it's a natural process and it's also obviously the, the impact of the World Cup in the middle of it all. But um, I think between what he's bringing on the pitch and as Andy mentions there around his, his positive influence, his role, um, no doubt, you know, on the training pitch every day in the dressing room, just his overall um, positivity and, and his character, you know, he, he's never, he, I don't think I, I can think of one 
you know, negative uh, as we had, he obviously had one off the field problem um, much earlier on in his career, but you never, you never hear anything negative about him. You know, he's always there. He's always a constant and, and uh, you know, he's a valuable squad player, which, which Klopp will definitely put a value on him um, as the season progresses. You know, he does frustrate. There's games where he really frustrates. Um, and funnily enough, you know, the first game he sort of doesn't start at the weekend, you know, you could see actually there was times there where really Nunes, Darwin Nunes, wasn't getting involved at all in the game on Saturday. I mean, it was, it was probably, I mean, I watched the game with Andy and we both went to say at the same time, like Nunes hasn't been involved at all. And I know a bit like Haaland in a way that that's kind of, that's what we're, we're going to see really from him in, in comparison to Bobby who will obviously come a lot deeper and get involved in the play and, and, and almost sit uh, as we've seen on occasion you know deeper than actual some of our midfielders but um, no look I'm not going to get carried away because he, he's he, he's going to be we're going to we're only, I think we're only going to see him sparingly over the next over the next while if if Everyone else is fit. You know, I'm excited to see Jota come back and see what he can bring. Some bright, bright sparks from him when he came on at the weekend. Uh, and as to be honest with you, you know, if all goes well, you know, we won't be seeing an awful lot of Bobby. But it's good to know that we've got someone so dependable there who won't sulk by being on the bench maybe for three or four games in a row. Uh, will we'll come on if he's got to come on for the last 10, 15 minutes. You know he's going to work hard. So he's um, he's a great asset. And, um, you know, I kind of i am annoyed at myself a little bit for kind of saying he was finished the other week because maybe that, <laughs> that was a little bit of a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think you're going to see quite a bit of him, you know, over the next four to six weeks. Because Jota's coming back, yeah, that's absolutely fair. But Jota's coming back from an injury that he's been out since, I want to say, June. Right? Um, he come, Sorry, he comes back at pre-season. And doesn't he get injured in training in pre-season? And we haven't yeah. really seen him since. Yeah, Kevin's, isn't he? And they're yeah. going to want to manage him as well. I mean, hamstring is something Yeah, like that's you, what I'm saying. They're going to absolutely manage him. So you're still, again, if it goes still, again, six weeks. Yeah, and you're, you're still looking at Bed and Darwin Nunes in. You know, he gets sent off in the second game. He misses three. He's back now. Oh, it's going to take time with Darren Nunes, right? Um, I think the biggest thing is you need to get Salah and Diaz closer to him. I think they're way too wired and they're leaving him exposed in the middle of the pitch where he's just on his own, two defenders, easily looking after him. And, you know, he's really trying hard to, to to make chances for himself. That one where it comes over his shoulder, he chests and hits the other day. If that goes in, you're going, like, well, wow. uh, do you know what I mean? And it could be like a, a, an absolute launch pad for him. But I think you need to get the two boys up front closer to him because not only does it mean them two boys are closer to goal, but it means that when they're closer to him, centre halves have more to think about. Do I go? Do I stay? Do I leave me fullback? And then, of course, if you have your fullbacks on really good form, they're overloading as well. So your full, their fullback then has to say, do I go, do I stay? So we have to give teams more questions to answer. I don't think we've given them enough. Um, for me, no, I think you'll see quite a bit of, I've been impressed from, um, you know, he gets, he gets goals against Bournemouth, he gets assists, you know, um, 
And I wasn't surprised to see Nunes started there because you have to manage Firmino as well. We've seen injuries over the last 18 months with Firmino where he's gone for four weeks, he's gone for five weeks. So, you know, he's played an awful lot of football. Load, he's probably played the most football of anyone in this squad over the last five years when you think of all the travelling he's done with Brazil for coppers and all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff. So, look, he's a good as- asset to have. But I, and, and I hope Jota comes back and hits the ground running. But I think he's a, he's a good option to have, especially with trying to, Norse Jota back in and trying to help Nunes into this team but if Jota in the next four weeks is fit and Nunes hits a couple of goals I think you'll see less and less from Firmino but that's not no problem because he's still an option there and someone said it in the chat the variety you get from Jota from Nunes and from Firmino they're all really different mm-hmm. and it's it's a different yeah. that's where you can ask more questions to teams when you bring someone different on or you combine the two of them two of them together where you mm-hmm. ask different questions and that's where Liverpool can become a bit more unpredictable I suppose to yeah. other teams and that's where we can probably create more chances or we're creating loads as it is I think but create more yeah. clear cut chances and, and open teams up and hurt them and I think yeah. Yeah, listen you can't go wrong with with quality and plenty of it and I don't know would you offer him a new deal or probably that's the question to ask and I know we're early in the season but he's a year left and do you offer him a new deal yes or no yeah, like, I mean, it, it was up in the air whether Milner would get one last season. I think a lot of people thought this was going to be the, like, last season was going to be his last season and he gets another one. So I suppose it all depends on what happens between now and then and how well Nunes adapts into the team. Um, I think right at the moment, you know, no better boy to, to help Nunes, um, integrate into the team. Like, you know, he's shown Nunes that he can contribute to, the team without actually having to score goals and my fear about Nunes is he becomes a target man and as you say it's something different like you just expect that you know if Nunes come off the bench it's all of a sudden they'll change the tactics and they're going to be launching balls into the box and trying to get him to bully defenders and win aerial challenges but I'd like to see Nunes maybe playing a bit like Firmino and dropping deep and playing box to box a little bit like Kane does um where you can pick the ball up in the middle of the park. Nunez, and Nunez spent spring. loads of time out wide for Benfica as well. Yeah, yeah, and this, this is it. And I, I was saying a couple of weeks ago as well, we probably don't know exactly what we're going to get from Nunez. Um, I think we're, like, on the the early signs is where we might be a bit, a bit frustrated for a while. And then, as you say, like, it's moments. I mean, if he chest that ball and, and whacks it over Pickford's head in a derby mm-hmm. and scores a goal, mm-hmm. like that famous Torres goal against Blackburn, practically um if you know going back you know all of a sudden he's sprung and everybody's talking about him so he might just need one of those moments but in the meantime if you can learn from bobby um you know and just having an influence over games of like a fairly selfless influence and getting other players involved around him because he does look like he's forcing it a little bit and um he he has all the hallmarks of a young player like that has a lot to learn. I'm not sure what age is yeah. he, 20, 22? Yeah, I, I think 22. we fall into a trap of him. I think we fall into a yeah. trap of looking at him going, he's six foot, whatever, and we yeah, need to launch balls yeah. in the box. I, like, I do. Um, and as, and much you know as, what? as much as Haaland Sorry. doesn't do anything in games, yeah. right, they're playing to his absolute strength. Hmm. Just And they're making sure that the ball's in our quality. If Liverpool play exactly as they did last season, and Nunes is in the middle of the, middle of the box, he'll get loads of goals. Yeah. Loads of them. 
Like, it's not like we don't create chances. He'll get loads of fucking goals. And maybe that's probably something you have to go back and look and go, let's just go back to the way we used to play. We we played intricate football. We we got the boy lines and we whipped balls in. And we and I'm not talking about floating balls in. I'm talking about lashing balls across the box. We always done that. And the only thing you could throw at some of our players was, although Mane, Salah, got great goal returns. And Firmino, maybe a bit more where you go, should have finished that. Yeah. Give him the opportunity to finish them and see if he can finish them. I think he'd be fine. Just another thing I want to throw out there about Nunes. Um, like, every, like, he's okay. He had the, the game where he threw the loaf and all that. And up to that point, there was a lot of messing Showing going on between well, him and Seven. Yeah. And then uh, with the the goal um, against Newcastle, you've seen him standing up and saying, fuck you to the Newcastle bench. And then in the Everton game, uh, there was a few, like, the camera panned in to see what he's up to, you know, having little spats. And then wasn't just after Cody's goal, he was having a discussion with him. And yeah. I seen I seen a few people like, you know, saying, Oh, look at look at um Nunes get you know, winding Cody up. Now I don't know where he was because no, I, I remember just, watching I think, that I live think, and they I were think, talking. Yeah, they I, were just, was, I, I thought it was like is he is he saying to him that he are going to check the screen? I thought like No, it was it was after it, at this stage the goal wasn't given and he was he was like doing the square thing. Yeah. That as if the ref was to go and look. I don't, I don't know, but I, I hope, I hope that that's not what we're going to see from that every every game there's a, a little sideshow yeah. where he's getting involved with the opposition. I think, and again, going back to Firmino, you never but see that out of him. It didn't look like there was anything in that. Like It wasn't like he, no, was, he was having a Cody kind of never Cody. reacted. Cody never reacted. So. The reality is he's going to be under the microscope. People want him to fail on some sort of level. If it's not the fact that he's scoring goals it'll be the fact that he can't keep his cool in games so that's going to run for a few games it was always going to it was they were always going to look for something on on uh, on Saturday and it might continue for a few more games but the way I look the, the way I look more of a distant memory it, they'll concentrate on his goal record more than his, yeah. his, his and, so, and so he should like yeah, he's playing games Liverpool, he should be. He has to score goals. Like, but that thing I seen, like I didn't even notice it live. But mm. when I looked the back, I genuinely thought he just turned and went, you know, to Cody. And he, he ruled it out because he looked at the screen and must have ruled yeah. it out. And Cody yeah. kind of nearly says yeah to him, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and then heads off. Like, so. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I don't think he was winding up, but just I see a lot of people saying that that's that's what was going on. Watching it live, I didn't think it was. Yeah, but how many players but, talk um, to each other on a football pitch over 90 minutes and like, yeah. like you said, he's under the microscope. If he yeah. isn't sent off three games ago, we're never seeing that clip. Never. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Hold on, hold on. We're in showbiz, baby. Let everyone over <laughs> a little bit there to be honest with you. Um. We're going to keep on the positives. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Um, because we want to leave the, the, the mad stuff to the end. The mad to stuff at the end of everyone can um, Dicko, lose their head. Dicko, yeah. you've picked um, yeah. Graham Potter. Yeah. yeah. Talk to me. Don't don't recall him being um, in all of the wins and losers. Don't recall him ever being up as a, as a winner. Don't know if I actually recall him being as a loser. To be fair to Brighton, they've always been kind of that middle of the road team that, you know, they win they win their fair share of games, but but you know, they actually last if you think back to last season, they were losing the fair share of games that they actually deserved better out of. They yeah. they've 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 lacked that kind of clinical 
side of uh, their game in terms of the finishing, taking advantage of chances, scoring when they were clearly in, ascend- in the ascendancy against um, often teams better than them, teams that should, you know should have been beaten Brighton handily. But to be fair to him, you know, obviously he, he came in to Brighton from a, a you know a kind of a less sort of familiar route into into Brighton. Um, and he's he's been in some ways he's been a bit of a slow burner, but I think everything that he's kind of you know um, put together there and and formulated it seems to be really starting to click now. Obviously, six games in and they're up there. I think they're in fourth, aren't they? And, points, I think. Yeah, and and it's not you know four was a four wins a draw and a and a defeat, and it's not you know that's that's a fair reflection of what they've been over the first six weeks. You know, he's a fairly likeable guy. You know, he, he, he doesn't, he, he's, you know, he, all the managers in the league, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't seem to get too high. doesn't seem to get too low in terms of, you know, the week to week. He seemed to take a lot of those defeats on the chin, even though, you know, he could have, you know, he could have been a bit of sour grapes in there. And uh, yeah, some, some decent talents up front. I mean, I know, I know they let, um, Mopay go to um, Everton, but you know they've still got Trossard. Seems to be getting a tune out of Welbeck. Your uh, man McAllister, you know, um, adding goals to his game. Uh, it was a really unfortunate goal that got disallowed. Actually, it was probably the best best of the bunch that got disallowed. But um, no, he's um, he's 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 you know they're a like they're a likable size. They're they're easy on the eye. Um, they seem to be building things in the right direction. Don't seem to have let you know a big player, um, you know, go into Chelsea, sort of rock the boat too much. Uh, even though you know he was probably one of their best players, and um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, we've got them coming up in our next six games. I think that's one to be fearful of when they come to Anfield. Going to definitely have to be on our A game that that day. I think they're going to. I think they're going to be playing Man City in the next six games as well. So we'll get to see what they're about. We'll get to see if they've they they continue that killer instinct in against you know the big the big boys sort of thing. But I think what we've seen so far out of them is uh, is some good stuff. And uh, so I think he's worth you know I think he's worth putting up there at a time when. Other other managers are starting to kind of feel the heat. He definitely seems to be on an upward upward curve. Andy, do you like him? I do like him. Um, he's definitely overachieving at Brighton. Um, he's getting like the the suppose award now. Everyone's talking about getting a tune out of players. <laughs> he's definitely um, he's definitely getting a tune out of uh, players that you don't really recognise as as like you know established Premier League players that. Uh, uh, recognised, but he's doing a he's doing a job there. And was it last season we went and watched him against Liverpool? And it was two two. That was last season, wasn't it? At Anfield, yeah. And uh, causes huge amount of problems. Everybody that plays that looked, kind of looked appalling in the first twenty five. We we were cruising, and then yeah, but isn't that isn't that show like a yeah, really good great sign of the yeah. team to, mm-hmm. to turn things around? Mm-hmm. But um. You know they play that three at the back thing with Dunk in the middle and and then uh, the wing backs and we we find it really hard to play against teams that do that and do it as well as Brighton do and I think Bazuma played that day didn't he? We work really hard midfield. Mm. He's gone and 
they just they just look like um they just look like a, a team you just don't want to play home or away. I mean, you dread the dread the thoughts of going to that fixture because it's not a guaranteed three points. Even though, for whatever reason, in your head you're thinking Brighton, you know, we should be beating them. Yeah. But they cause huge trouble for um for for bigger teams. Um, it was when he came in, he replaced Hewton, and you know, I loved Hewton, you know, for his days with, with Ireland. And when you when he he loses his job and Potter comes in, you're like what? Like you know, surely if you're going to sack Hewton, you're bringing in sort of a recognised, um you know, Premier League manager to bring Brighton onto the next level. But since then, what, down three or four seasons, he's brought them on. They seem to be really, you know, he's he's embedded his uh, style. And, um, you know, I, I don't really know much about what he did before. I think he was at, in Sweden for a while. And, I mean, that's that's really the way to sort of start your managerial career, like a little bit out, out under the radar in a different country. You know, and the expectations aren't as large then. Maybe something that Gerard should have done, but he's working his way through the ranks. There's no doubt he's gonna get a big job at some stage. Uh, with the with how he's how he's doing up right and the over overachieving. <coughs> I like him a lot as well. Um yeah. I think uh, Olivier says there they've lost Ben White, Kucherella, Basuma and Mope in the last two seasons. He reckons his manager is mint. I think his forward planning is good. I think he knows Basuma won't be there and he and uh Cicido. I think was was brought in, went out on loan, came back, and was there the second half of last season. And he probably knew I need to bet this fella in because Basuma won't be here. He trusts what he's doing. You know, I don't think Brighton have changed what they're what they've been really about over the last three or four years. The thing you would throw them is that like why haven't they got an absolute goal scorer in there? Because if they did, you know, where could they go? But he stuck to his guns, like you say. Welbeck's playing quite well for them. Um, Trossard's playing well, Gross, uh, McAllister. There's there's a lot of players in that team where you go, they are playing so fucking well. But when you watch them playing individually, you would think, oh, would he go there? Would he get in this mm. team? You'd, you'd have your doubts, but collectively, they all know what they're doing and they have so much trust from them. They ha- he, he has to instill so much trust in them because no matter what way they're playing, they were 1-0 down. Or they 1-0 down the other day? And, yeah, last uh, minute. Down, I mean, yeah, yeah. Then they went 2-1 then they went two mm-hmm. one up. Then they got then they got pegged back, and you could see. I, I watched the I watched the I watched a bit of it at two all. And actually went away from it. Then they scored a couple of goals, but you could see they weren't panicking, and they just kept doing what they were doing. They trusted themselves. The manager obviously trusted them, and you know what? He has lost a lot of players. Um, you know, I think White was fifty million, Cucurella around the same. But so you're probably looking mm-hmm. at hundred and thirty odd million there, forty million, and in, in them four players alone, and he hasn't invested anywhere close to that. I don't think back in, mm-hmm. but. It's just, I think he's just set up perfectly there. Not only the players he has, I think the staff around him, the club themselves, you know, they know they're going to lose, you know, probably Saicedo at one stage, maybe even Trossard. They might lose a centre-back. They might use a goalkeeper. They know that's going to happen, but they're they're always prepared for it. They know where they stand. And I don't think, and I don't mean that to be bad on Brighton, but they know where their level is with regards to maybe eight, ten teams in that league where, They've more money than them. They, they've, there's more prestige about them. They might lose players to that. And they're not trying to, not that they're not trying to better themselves, but they know where they are. You know, they know if Liverpool come for Saicedo for 50, 60 million, they're going to have to sell them because the players turn around and go, listen, you have to let me go. You know, the sort of way. And, you know, yeah. the only thing I'd say about him is, and it's not about his managerial um, style or anything like that. I think he's, I, I think he's excellent. 
he needs and someone said it in the chat and I agree whatever job comes up for him because it will do in the next year where he'll be heavily linked he's the sort now I think where you know where Brendan Rodgers used to be linked with Spores and Arsenal and stuff I think when this stuff comes up again I think Potter will be the name on everyone's lips Oh yeah. and I think he needs to make the right decision for him I think what will be huge for him is the structure at whatever club he goes to because it looks like he needs for me he needs to be given loads of trust and, and time and stuff like that and you don't really get that at the top clubs and but I don't know what jobs will come up from because le- I think Leicester yeah. will be looking for a manager. And I think Villa will be looking for a manager, and I wouldn't go near either of them as Graham. No, Moore. I don't. Not, think not really compared to where he is now and what he's, what he, you know, what he's kind of built essentially, and, and you know the fact that he's got such a good thing going. That you know the goodwill of, I'm sure that the support down there, you know the place seemed to be, you know the atmosphere seemed to be pretty electric down there. Um, so yeah, you wouldn't want to come into a kind of a, a, uh, a sort of a stale, you know, atmosphere, fan base dressing room. You know, um, I think if he's gonna, you know, if he if he if he wants to keep his stock rising, he's better off staying where he is for another. John asked, asked there what big job is coming up. No, that's what I mean. I don't think they are because I think I think this is probably the most settled you've seen the top six with regards to the managers. Arsenal yeah. definitely, definitely Spurs, Liverpool, United, um, Chelsea. Mm, you don't know it, it could go either way, but you know maybe Chelsea is the one there where you go. There might be mm. something in the pipeline in the next six months. But yeah. other than that, if I'm Graham Potter, I'm looking around going, I'm not, I'm not doing Leicester and I'm not doing Villa, just, just not. Because a lot of the stuff, I've, Leicester seems to be, are the owners interested? And the thing at Villa is you will be backed. But they've kind of lost patience with Gerrard fairly quick. This isn't a recent thing. Mm. I think they lost patience with Gerrard towards the back end of last season. So, um, But overall, I think um, I think Potter is excellent. And I just like watching Brighton play. I think that, that, that it's not like they're rigid and he gets results in a, in a Sean Dyche sort of way. He gets results by playing good football. I don't know. They definitely where, move where, the ball. Just a minute ago, but I'll ask both of you. Where would you look? Where would you see him in the next two or three years? Where do you think it really soon, Andy? Yeah, like you mentioned, Chelsea there is probably the more likely because they've had a poor enough start. But then they're firing money at the manager, so I can't imagine. I wouldn't like to see him going there. Um, as you say, it's 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 um it's massive for him. What happens next? Does he stay upright for a few more years? Um, I know I'm going a really long way about answering your question here, but like Laura was saying in the chat there, he was seven and a half years in Sweden. So mm. why doesn't he, you know, he's still very young. I mean, he is. Yeah. What is he, 45 or something like that? Um, what what would what harm would to be staying at Brighton for three or four more years, you know, or, or do 10 years there and see what happens then? Uh, but, I mean, you'd hate to see him get ruined by going to Chelsea and then, you know, he never gets another big job again. I think somewhere like Spurs would be would probably really suit him. Yeah, I think I think he's probably the stars might align for him. Different to how the stars didn't really align for Rogers. Um, you know, in terms well, Rogers of Rogers tried to rearrange the stars by you know, yeah, telling he, he wanted that's to go there. Style, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think the stars might align for him. I think you know whether it be Conte or Arteta to go first in, in two or three years' time, I think that might be a natural kind of progression for him. But I wouldn't. I also wouldn't rule out him becoming the number one target for England when Southgate runs his course. I think he'd be mad. 
to go near. Mad, mad. Mad. It, but he's an Englishman and he might he might it might just um to go there because he might think, well I might never get the opportunity again. Could he oh, no. could he could he be in the run and I'm just asking this and I know the time has gone by and we'll play the Dunphy clip in a minute, but could he be in, in line if, if if you see him and at this trajectory and I'm not even saying leave Brighton, but could he be a possibility? I, I, would you see him as a Liverpool manager? Do you, would you would you see him? Would you trust him as a Liverpool manager? I know you really like him, but I'm going to ask that big question because, you know, three, four years time down the road, if, if he continues doing what he's doing, is he going to shout for big, big jobs? Potentially. <laughs> potentially. I mean, look, depends what he does over the next two to three years. I mean, he's got to continue that development of players and he's also got to, I think he's probably from a, um, you know, track record point of view, he's got a, I know he's already been in, I think it was the Europa, wasn't it? Did, did, didn't they go on? They got a result at Arsenal, didn't they? I think it was one of the things that sprung them to prominence. If, if memory serves him right a few years ago when he was managing that Swedish team, he's got to, he's got to try and get Brighton into Europe and try and, you know, play some, at least, you know, Europa League football or whatever. Um, I think it's it's too early to make that that call, but just like I was saying before, with stars align, and you know who knows, he might he might be, you know, he, he, the stars might align for him to take, you know, one of the biggest jobs in England, whether that be Liverpool or someone else, but certainly a top four. Um, you have to just the one thing about it, you have to see someone manage the big personalities, the big stars first yeah. to see how he copes. Kevin Sullivan um, says he'd need European experience, in his opinion. Yeah, there's so much, so much needs to happen first. I mean, look, anything's possible in football, but you just see when, you know, when, um, even going back to when Hulier came in, like he had such a good reputation across Europe. He was out to track names, um, Rafa, um, and Klopp. I mean, Potter comes in. Do you, does he really have that network across Europe? That's what Dog says. He says, "What can who can who can he attract with him at the helm?" Yeah, and then, that's a fair and then once and then once they come in. You know, it's look. It's I suppose it's it like that, and we're trying to predict the future here, and it's it's all hypothetical. But um, you you can't rule that he's definitely one of the the better up and coming English managers anyway, and and mm. and so much more likable than most. Mm. Well, look, um, I'm sure we will keep an eye on Potter as the um as the season goes on. Um, I have to do some ads. People don't like ads, but I have to do Showbiz first. Um, what? The showbiz first. Oh, Jesus, yes, sorry. <laughs> We're in showbiz, baby. Okay. Sorry, Just for sorry. Phil, because I've seen Phil in on the ah, on listen, the Phil, well. Phil tells you he's fucking busy and he's not. He's in the chat box. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Fuck Kick, Phil. If you see um, him still there, kick him out. He's yeah, yeah, out. fucking no. I'm, I'm up to me eyes, lads. Piss off. Um... <laughs> IP Vanish is a VPN service that you can use on your tablet, your phone. You can use it on your Fire Stick, your laptop, your desktop. Protects your data, protects you, um, your location, your passwords, all that sort of thing. Um, look, it's rated 4.605 on Trustpilot. Can be used on these multiple devices. A really good deal from IP Vanish. Um, if you follow our link, it gets you a, a VPN for a year for around 30 I want to say twenty eight dollars, um, which is fucking next to nothing when you look at the prices of some of them. If you go to LF, uh, if you go to ipvanish.com forward slash day trippers, you can avail of that offer. And um, yeah, the link is in the description. Um, second one is Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus are streaming every Champions League game. 
this season. Um, all the goals, all the games, all 90 minutes extra time, whatever it comes to between now and I don't know when they're playing the fucking final. It could be next August, the way this season is going. But Paramount Plus have it all. If you go to Paramount Plus, you can uh, sign up and get every Champions League game streamed this season. It's $10 a month. Um, someone told us in the chat the other day. So go and check them out. Um, Phil Casey wants us to ask the peeps for Trippers Chats questions. Phil is, of course, in charge of the Trippers Chat show that is um, is going to become a full show where we're going to record it. We're going to he- edit it heavily. <laughs> edit and then we're going to edit the bollocks out of it. And then we're going to send it out um, <laughs> as a show. He says it's next Tuesday. So in the next week or so, we will get through some. It's not football related. It's just random stuff. So I don't know. It could be Andy doing a fucking demonstration as to how far the toast flies when it comes out of a snake toaster. Um, but they, are, they are your ads. Now, I'm not putting the timer up on the screen, but I am going to put it at around 25 to 30 minutes, right? Um, <laughs> because, first of all, Andy wanted Tony Bellew as his loser because he was drawing lines on the internet, right? And Dicko wanted VAR as loser. Dicko, I'll come to you first. And we can mm. both talk about whatever you want. You can go into whatever you want, right? Um, no, I think we should talk about Bellew first. Well, okay, Andy, let's talk about Bellew first, right? And, I, and in fairness, I know I, I've seen the tweet you're talking about. It's not only him. It's just the fact that it was... No, it's not only him. It's, uh, well, less, well, let's just say, less high-profile people have, have uh, always done this stupid lions, and now all of a sudden you have somebody who's who's got to reach. Yeah. And... But on, on top of Bellew, Andy, it's a horrendous weekend for Vieira. Are, are we talking about Bellew? Or uh, well, VAR? either. You can go with the either. No, we'll be talking about VAR in a minute. No, it's not. It's a horrendous weekend for, for officials. I mean, right. there's nothing wrong with VAR. Yeah. VAR works, and it works everywhere except uh-huh. in England. Now, I just want to talk about Bellew. <laughs> uh, you know, with his imaginary lines that he drew on his phone. To make Cody on <laughs> And actually, Cody himself could have made it the loser this week. I always thought he was a big red. Well, my God, he celebrated mm. like that for a fake goal. I, how, <laughs> we didn't, how we didn't know he might be offside, side, like, he never even looked at the lines and he just got caught up in the moment and celebrated like a lunatic. But anyway, um, Bellio's outdone him. He's, you know, He's out. Whether you like Vary, you don't. That's your own business, right? But at least try and understand it, our angles, our perspective before you, you start talking about it and complaining. But poor Tony doesn't even know where where uh, the offside line starts. He he draws his fake line from Milner's foot, but the ball was more advanced, you know. So he could have made Cody even more onside, <laughs> but instead he drew it from the foot, like. But uh, through the force, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was just mad looking, you know. And uh, like for all the people that like drawing lines, you're, you're going up against million, millions of euro research, development, and implementation of technology that works, right? 100% works. What you see is true. What you see on your phone, or your anger from Sky Sports, or whatever you're trying to do, is not accurate. Just accept it. It's not accurate. No matter what you do with your phone or no matter what you think is somewhere to stand, the technology is 
is 100% correct and they were developing it for years. So just accept it. You know what I mean? Um, and if you think that your Nokia is, is better than, uh, than that, you're, you're mistaken. But Bellew for me, look, I don't know. He likes attention seeking on the internet. Um, he seems to be always putting up to people with stupid shy. He's just a big bungalow head. Uh, and he's, and is, is, uh, yeah. <laughs> No, 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 upstairs. So he just, he, he just <laughs> is lions. I've, I've never, lions I've never noticed biscuit. Tony Bellio online before Saturday. Oh no, he's always, he's always yeah. like. Just or maybe I just don't follow attention. him. And it was just the first time I've seen something retweeted onto my timeline because I've oh, never look, noticed the, him. Yeah, he's the type of fella who tells your man Joshua that he outboxed uh, your man the Ukrainian in the yeah. So that's the type of Muppet you're dealing with. And he's now drawing lines, uh, saying that Cody was onside. Like, it's it's just so stupid. I think he, this, I don't know how true it is, but seeing if he got out of his car to confront all the load of Liverpool fans that were singing songs at him. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. The lions drawn. If you want to, maybe we can talk about Bellio or we can talk about people that draw lions and then we can talk no, about. No, like, I was kind of going, like, because it's not only Bellio that's drawn lions. Like, there, there's loads of people. I've seen, like, a mad yeah. grid and all today, like, being moved around and it was all very snazzy. Um, and then there's another guy having measurements and stuff, which was, which was really good as well. But Dicko, Andy makes a point there, right? People with reach doing this sort of thing is a bit mad, isn't it? Like, why yeah. not? Why not? Yeah. Like my own, my whole thing about it is, <clears throat> and I'm not a fan of VAR. I've I fucking said it from I don't know how long, right? And it just keeps compounding itself. And Andy makes a good point. It's not VAR. It's official. So yeah, maybe I'm saying it wrong. But like, why don't people just take a, f- a fucking picture of their telly when the lines from this technology comes up on it, and then try and make an argument around it, like? Oh, what is in it for people to go, um, no, do you know what? I'm going to stop it there at this angle and I'm going to draw my own lines. I don't give a fuck what Sky have done or whoever's shown the game. I'm just going to fucking start drawing lines here. It's like the old, remember the old joke he used to have where you go, no, he's clearly onside. You draw a line and you draw a big circle around the fella and then draw the line yeah. straight and go, look, he's clearly onside. Like, it's nearly like the reverse of that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this is, it's gone to a new level now. Like the the, the multiple sort of line drawers that are out there, uh, including obviously people of, of prominence like Tony Bellew. It's, 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 it's taken things to another stage, isn't it? Um, in, in a serious way, all it's doing is on, is, is trying to undermine, as Andy says, the technology that's there. You can kind of, you can moan and you can feel frustrated. Um, you know, we, we, we've, I think we've had good reason to feel frustrated with the Rashford one at Old Trafford not that long ago. Um, I actually don't think we, 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 you know, I, I think it's almost uh, a classic, you know, it's almost like the players on the pitch. I, I don't think we're vocal enough sometimes. We certainly don't go to, to the, to the extremes that other fan bases seem to go to, 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 to cry about a, a decision that's, you know, never going to get overturned. Um, because it's it's done and dusted, but they continue to kind of perpetuate this kind of false narratives around you know goals that should have stood. When let's face it, you know we see multiple angles, and you know even on Saturday, you know the the initial thought was it might be offside. The first angle looked 
well offside. Then they show the second angle. Then you are, then you were second guessing yourself because you weren't quite sure whether it was offside. But then they showed and, one directly in line. What was going yeah. on? Yeah, and it's like and then. As a Liverpool fan, you're assured that this is going to be given as offside because that's the definitive angle sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, Bellew's picture has got like, if you look at what the actual lines on the pitch, I mean, I've been, I've been to Goodison Park a few times. I don't remember there being a 20% incline on that pitch because that's essentially what he's representing in that, you know, that, 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 the, that, you know, it's, it's 20% incline up to the, up to the um, Gladys Street end. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous, really. But I'm sure there was an element of it done out there, like like a lot of things on Twitter, just to, to get, wind people up, get a reaction yeah. to you know to kind of to 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 try and get a bit of this sympathy going that actually Everton were kind of robbed of of three points and they've only come away with it with a draw and all yeah, that. Because when, when um, I was when I was watching it, I've, I'm like. I'm terrible. I can't remember yesterday. When I'm watching the ball, the goal goes in. I actually didn't think offside. Honestly, I didn't. I thought he, he was just in the there. Back the just it, where no, he was. Yeah, I know. But but like it goes cross goal and kind of think, fuck, like, you know, he's got in there. And like you said, they show one angle and you're kind of going miles off. Like, you're right. And then they show a second when you're kind of going, hmm. But then they actually show him where they, and I don't know why they don't pull it up on screen first, where it's literally across the line of what's mm. going on. And you're looking going, Right, well, if he's going by this, this if he's going to put a line on, whether it's Milner's foot or Van Dijk or wherever it is, right? Like, your man's knee, his shoulder, everything is, is over. What you, so you're kind of going, yeah, it's offside. And when the lines flash up, you go, yeah, it is offside. And I think sometimes, you know, you're talking about the Rashford one. And I think sometimes you can, you can change your view so quick because if it's against you, you go, that shouldn't have stood. You know, whereas you score, you kind of go, oh, well, hold on a minute. You kind of do make an argument because you want, you want Liverpool to get the better, the better of each situation. But I think you kind of have to come to the conclusion that, like Andy said, and, and it's not easy for me to say this because I fucking hate it, VAR, right? But you mm. have to come to the conclusion where you say to yourself, listen, these lines are being drawn. They're being drawn with millions of pounds probably worth of equipment where they're literally bringing that line up. They've explained that they're given that little margin of error, thickness of lines, all that sort of stuff, or whatever it might be, and you just have to take it. But when you see someone where they're, they're, they're clearly over this line, like, I don't know where you go with it, but it brings us on then to the whole fucking stuff that went on the weekend. Now, I'm going to hold my hand up. I haven't seen the Newcastle one, right? Okay? Because I just, I I had enough when I heard Newcastle were booing about time wasting by Palace fan or player. Uh-huh. That'll do me for the weekend. That's enough Newcastle and I fucked off. But but I've seen the I've seen the, the Jared Bowen with with at Chelsea. Yeah. yeah. Um the Coutinho one is horrendous. Yeah. Um, but all officials. Yeah, all officials. But yeah, that exactly. getting the bad yeah. getting the bad yeah. press over. Yeah, no, yeah. I, it, it's all it's all being lumped into the into the one bucket essentially, VAR. It's because procedural it's, stuff again for me. It's just it's, procedure, procedure, procedure. And they yeah. just won't stick to a certain procedure. Like I let you go out and talk about what you want now, but the Coutinho one for me, right? We've seen so many times a player standing five yards offside, right? Yeah. Ball gets played over the top. He runs after it. Yeah. Nobody does anything, right? The ball goes, he gets it, puts it in the box, someone taps it in the net, and the fucking flag goes up, right? We've yeah. seen that. We've seen it so many times, right? And then Coutinho's one. He has it up like a lie. 
And I know. blown like a light. Now, yeah. why, if, the, if they're going to do something like that, right, why can't they just say, just let it play on? Just let it go out, go dead, and then we, we'll have a look at it, and we'll bring it back and we'll play it from there. No problem. <laughs> but that could hear you the other day, I thought to myself, why is his flag up so? Do not flag, and do not blow that whistle. Let that ball land in the keeper's hands and we play. Hit the net, and we look at it. Go out for a corner, and we look for it. Doesn't matter, but the, it just seems to me that one week they're standing, running along, going, "He's offside," but I'm not putting that flag up. Fuck it. Yeah, yeah. and they're actually, they're actually put, putting that flag up in this situation too quick on a on a tight situation when they have technology to back them up. But in the ones where it's as fucking clear as day, they're waiting for the technology to kick in and tell them after, when they put the flag up. Fucking, you know, the, the ball travelled fifty, sixty yards. I just think it's horrendous, horrendous stuff, and. Uh, Dicko, like you look at, I didn't see the Newcastle ones, you'll have to explain to me, but you look at that one on um, Bowen. He's running in on the ball, he's trying to get to the keeper, gets there first, knocks it out. Like, how the fuck are you giving that up? Like, it's just bemuses me, Dicko. It's just, I think they're just drawing straws in this fucking van they're in and going, goal, fucking, you know, foul, whatever, and they're just going, ah, oh, yeah, it's a foul, yeah, it doesn't matter. So we just fucking get Dermot Gallagher to take the fucking, go on Sky and try to protect us on, on Monday morning. It's, it's mental, Dicko. Yeah, it is, as you say, um, the, the, the ones that really have stuck, stuck out this weekend and kind of allowed other stuff to be lumped on top of it, the offsides and whatnot, the kind of the borderline offsides are really the, the ones which have involved, you know, the, the referees themselves or, or the, you know, the, the, the VAR official. I think the worst of them all, um, was definitely the, the, the Chelsea one. You know, I think, Basically, you know, Bowen is essentially kind of skipping over Mendy as he's going in and, you know, Mendy makes an absolute meal of it because it's kind of an act of desperation, really. It's the only thing that's going to prevent that being a a last-minute equaliser and Chelsea dropping two points. And, you know, the between the referee and the VAR official, they've been completely sucked in. Um... I thought the Newcastle one again. It's down to again. It's down to interpretation. It's down. To, it comes down to the referee and the VAR making a decision. I can actually see why that got disallowed. To be honest with you, I mean, he did. He did go um, barreling in to the goalkeeper, um, and obviously, then it's just it's it's a it's a weird one because then it just goes in off the off the Palace defender, but but it is. It is fairly reckless from from Willock. He does go absolutely barreling into the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper's stretching out with his fist to, to go to punch the ball. Whether he'd have got to the ball is is debatable. But but he, I I I I can see why that was given as a foul. To be honest with you, um, you know the United one. Um, you know that's that was a decision that could have gone either way. Again, you know it wasn't given. The foul wasn't given in actual play. You know, we've seen a similar thing a few years ago with Origi being fouled and then United going the other way and scoring. And, you know, it was they were both they were both fouls at the end of the day. You know, the infuriating thing is, you know, we don't get decisions. It's not just about Liverpool. Well, Sam Tandy Sam Tandy <laughs> says the Ericsson fell was one that confused me. Hendo gets fell versus Fulham for their first goal, and we got told the VAR won't go all the way back to check for fouls before goals, etc. It needs to be consistent. 
and Tom Boland says not trying it's to be an advocate the, for the refs, right? But this is interesting. But the FA keep changing the rules every season, um, every year. These lads have to adjust, hoping VAR will help them out. But but because uh, these lads are asleep, but they're adjusting the rules every season because they keep making mistake after mistake after mistake, right? And then yeah. they go, oh, do you know, we'll, do, we'll adjust this a little bit and this might help. And then they just continue to fucking do it wrong anyway. Yeah. It's actually been out the news, you know, out of the highlights, I suppose, of, you know, uh, most, most week. I mean, this is, you know, this is the sixth uh, week of Premier League games and there's not been an awful lot. It just seemed to all happen in the, in, in the same week. Just back on the, I know it's a bit off topic in a way, but just back to the United. Um, you know, the, the goal being disallowed. My God, if, if only we could protest as much as Man United are able to protest and particularly Bruno Fernandes. I mean, he is constantly in the referee's face and, and I, I think that has to have an influence as well. So, you know, if there's anything to be learned there, we need to be a little bit more vocal about some of our protests. But well, the offside well, ones, the offside <laughs> one. You know the the the, the Coutinho one is is the most frustrating, really, because of the, the, what happens then afterwards. Obviously, he he bangs one in, um, pretty much straight away. And Virgil Van Dijk, in particular, you see him every game get frustrated at least three or, on three or four occasions where the flag should have gone up. You know, he's he's given the flag either does go up or the the, the, the linesman gives him the signal, and it absolutely pisses them off like nothing else you know that these flags stay down and this what I'm saying. You, being honest you know what I mean if it's a tight decision keep your flag down the technology will back you right or it'll mm. sort it out for you if it's a clear as fucking day decision oh yeah he's three yards offside put your flag up they're doing the opposite they're yeah. doing the opposite do you know what I mean they're actually letting things go when it's clear as day and they're throwing flags up when it's tight it, it it makes no fucking sense. It, it absolutely makes no sense to me. And and listen, VAR works in Europe. Um, it works everywhere, other places in the world. Um, you know, referees buy into it. They know how it works. And everyone knows in the Champions League. You know when you see something in the Champions League and you go, you won't give that because we know how it kind of works. Whereas in England, it's literally like fucking putting your, you know, it's like bingo. Just put your hand yeah. in the bag, pick out the next ticket and see what it says. Andy, you know, you, you've been a long, long-time advocate of VAR and I, yeah. I, I agree with you. Like it, the officials, it's just, it's just, oh, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think it's a relationship that can work. These officials yeah. and this technology, it just <clears throat> simply can't because Dermot yeah. Gallagher is on Sky every fucking Monday making an absolute fucking age of himself. Let's be honest mm. about it. While trying to protect mates, current mates, yeah. former workmates, wherever it might be. And it doesn't take much for people to look and go, you've just got that completely wrong. And they're apologising week on week. Yeah. Is the, the ref that does BT is a little bit more honest, I think. Um, yeah. But uh, I'm trying to, Jer Cal, was it that was saying? Um, yeah. Transparency needed. The audio should be broadcast. And, you know, I said that a couple of seasons ago when VAR came in. And I think I gave... Uh, football fans, the gen- the ignorant ones, you know, too much credit because they're the most noisy. I actually think the more transparency, the more trouble it's going to cause because uh, people that are criticizing VAR or what's happening in the rules with, with what, what goes on aren't even prepared to learn the the rules themselves or to learn what, what's happening with VAR. 
And to give you a good example of that is when when uh, we can see that the goal Rashford was marginally, he was offside last season, he was onside this season because of that margin of error. And then Isaac off Newcastle scores, and it's a very similar situation, but he's offside, he's more offside because the Lions don't meet. So why are people losing their shit if they can't be bothered to check why first? Read up on a first, check out why why that those two incidents are different, and then moan if you if you have to something something to moan about. But the fact of the matter was Rashford was less offside, right? And I know that sounds stupid and everything, but it's a solution that worked in Europe somewhere. I think it was in the Dutch league or something for us. And it is good because yeah, the, it's basically it avoiding the lines. And if the lines meet, is that right? Am I right in saying the lines meet, you're on. If yeah, they don't meet, yeah. you're off. Yeah. So, so basically what's happening is the biggest complaint is when goals are disallowed, right? So they've said, let's, let's give the benefit of the doubt to the attacker. So it means then that if you, if there's any dispute over well, not where, the benefit of the doubt, because that, that means that they're not doing it properly. There's no, no the benefit, benefit of the no, there there benefit is, there the is. Doubt. They've given you, there they've is. given them more leeway as to what it is. No, there is. Listen for a second. The benefit mm-hmm. down in the, ter- in the sense that people have pointed out inconsistencies are where the fellas in the VAR studio are plotting their, their, yeah. their, 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 their lines, right? So someone was saying that it's supposed to be at the bottom of the sleeve, but then it depends on what the angle. So yeah. it means that the, the, the plot can, <clears throat> can be marginally different every week, right? So what they've said was, right, so even even if there's a sl- slight discrepancy, they've allowed that now in favour of the attacker. So that's why Marcus Rashford was onside, and that's what people want to see. They don't see they don't want to see goals ruled out when there's a slight possibility that the referee could have put the point of the outside in the wrong position. So now by um and we've seen it, it's happened. We've seen offside goals going allowed because they they're just marginally on so uh, uh, offside, but because the lines are overlapping, they've said right mm-hmm. benefit out the attack. So essentially, what they're saying is because of the margin of error that are in the VAR guys, they're saying that that player is level. They're giving them the benefit of the doubt, the benefit of the doubt in for the VAR official. He was, I, I've he was seen people it. mention like their shadows and all. I'm like, what the fuck are you yeah. talking about? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. So, so sometimes what happens is the um the it's covered where where they, and they haven't of all the angles they look at, it's covered where they believe. So they have to use um probability, yeah, and then they just factor in things like shadows and you know where where the person's arm or foot or shin or hip or whatever is likely to be. I mean, it's it's better than relying on a um a lions man who who has to see it in real time and we we see mm-hmm. goals for years not being allowed or or being way off so it being allowed that's not fair and like a lot of people's solutions i just don't like VAR. i don't like it they haven't bothered trying to understand it and the cop out is the referees are making poor decisions anyway so let's just bin it off and let's just let the let the referees away with mortar so there has to be some sort of a, a, a revolution here where referees, the standard is is up. The shit referees are fucked out. They bring in referees from Europe or whatever. And so someone, one of my mates, look, I don't watch European football much, but one of them was saying, like he watches a lot of Spanish football, and he was saying that like these things just don't happen. Like once every few games, a few weeks, 
Is there something a little bit controversial where the referee has gone back and they take ages deliberating over a, a push or a foul? Or so it just doesn't happen. It's just it's just the standard of refereeing and the um, th- you know, the way they protect each other. It's, um, yeah, th- but like all oh, basic this union they have is horrific. Yeah, but that's why they the, won't that's call the each other out. That's why the call is there for transparency. Because yeah. I, I've, I've, and I agree with Jerry Cahill, I would, I would have the mic up, right? And the reason being is that I don't want to wait for Dermot Gallagher on Monday, right? Okay? Or if I'm in that ground, I don't want to fucking know what Dermot Gallagher thinks. I want to fucking know now what's going on, right? And the thing is, Andy, the transparency makes them explain themselves to each other and you can hear what's going on. Because when that happens, say, against for, uh, the, the decision against West Ham, Newcastle, Aston Villa, wherever it might be, right? They have hours and hours to prepare themselves, right? Mm. They can get their story straight. They can talk to each other. They can do that, right? I'm not, I'm not asking. Like, it's, they just need to, we need to know what's going on. And listen, I get all the lines and overlapping and, uh, you know, um, the, the, level of fucking that might be off here or there and everywhere i get all that but it, but the likes of the, the likes of um decisions where you go red is it not is it a high bar this fucking bullshit just mic them up and all this stuff where they go oh well you know you might hear people coursing tell them to fuck off tell bruno fernandez to fuck off wave me and if he doesn't i'm just going to start giving handing out cards and it'll stop mm-hmm. it's a bit like the show pulling stuff in the box years ago Right, we all shit ourselves because Martin Scale played for us at the time. We're like, this cunt's never going to see out a game again. But just, you see, the thing is, the the problem here is that they don't follow their own protocol. In in this, and what I mean by that is, one week it's one thing, and one te- week it's the next, and we know nothing about what they're fucking doing because we wait, have to wait till Monday, and they send out a thing going, oh, we might actually be in wrong there, and then just re- ex referee is not being honest. I'm going to be honest. They're not yeah. being honest in what they're saying. And Gav, I, I can't see the issue, Andy. I just cannot no, see the I, issue. No, I, I honestly, I honestly can, because um, a lot of people watching football don't understand the rules. They won't accept that the conversation going on between um, referees is is in line with the with the rules of the game, and they they won't. They they'll what they'll do is they'll criticize the referee over a rule. But I mean, the rule is there, and the referees, and then as well, the referees they're not. Um, TV presenters. I mean, they some of them may not be great communicators. They may not be like. I just don't think it's fair to you know. If I'm honest, I'd love to hear what some of the conversation that goes on. But in something like rugby, um, it's been around for a long time. I think the rules or the laws of the game, as they call them, are a little bit more black and white. Um, a lot of the rules in football, as we know now, are are a little bit grey, and I don't know whether it serves much purpose to mic them up. I think it becomes a bit more of a circus. There's nothing worse than modern football now that the the product is is what goes on around the game now and the football has become less important. The more important things nowadays is is uh is transfers and uh what players are doing and saying to each other, what's happening, what are the what are the uh the managers saying and what are the refs are doing and what the assholes in the studios are doing and saying yeah, but Andy, the more you the more you like add to this like outside of the football, I think it becomes a bit more of a, but I think uh, you're reducing a, a circus. I think you're reducing the whole circus of it. Because if you if you if I'm if if you're watching a game, right, and let's take Van Dyke on um Onana, wasn't it, the other day, right? 
Okay. Yeah. And there's a big thing yeah. over this, right? Oh, I, think you should, I think you should. I think you should have got sent off. Right. That's what I think. For the reason being is the, he goes in stud showing and, he, and he's he's fairly high. Do you? I, I'm. Yeah. I'm t- I think he should. I think he should. Yeah. Because of the way he goes in, straight legged, studs up. He's in, and, and that's my opinion. Right. But what I'm saying is, there's a whole thing around that where we're all going. Should he not? Should, it's a high impact. All I'm saying is, if that comes up and a referee wants to review it, he's mic'd up. He goes on and he says, what do you think? Let me have a look at it. Yeah, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a bit of uh, contact there. Is he a little bit high? Do you know what? He he might be a touch high, but I don't think he's... It, there's, there's enough force in it. Look, this is where I'm going. And then they know what's going on. Instead of this circus for 48 hours about this tackle, and then... They put someone on Sky or BT or wherever it might be, and then they, they come up and go, and they start saying high bar, low bar, fucking all this shit, right? And then people, and then there's another two days of it. And then just stop her at source. And I, I, I promise you, Andy, the reason they're not, in my opinion, the reason they are not mic'd up is because they cannot pass the book when they're, when they're mic'd up. Yeah, they look, cannot come pass here. it on. Right, no, I totally understand. Sean is saying it in the comments as well that um that they be exposed for it or, um and he's dead right. They will be exposed for it or, and and it, it was the the incident John Moss at Anfield a few years ago against Spurs was it? Mm-hmm. And I'm giving it. So what happened to him there was um he had to make a decision right. Uh, he was under pressure. He was in a noisy Anfield and he he makes the decision. Now, can you imagine referees are mic'd up and they know that they're under microscope now? The pressure that add to everything else, all of a sudden, um, there's not just the 60,000 in the stadium that can, that are watching their every single move are, and on TV, you, you can see them, but all of a sudden you can hear them now. I mean, I, I don't know. I I don't know whether it, I, I, think, I think it caused more hassle and it's worth I just like to see the standard of refereeing uh, go up, and then but we won't have to be having these conversations. But it won't, well, of Andy. course. It why not, Gav? But, uh, like, well, not tell allowed. me how it will. Tell me how it will. Because if if we allow if we allow these referees to continue to make these decisions, right? Continue to have this amount of time frame in order to bring out a statement on a Monday morning, right? And still have the ability, right? Where we're actually sitting here going. Did he look at that? Did he not look at it? And when he looked at it, who made the decision? Was it the fella in the van or the fella on the pitch? Who made the yeah. decision? And that's why it, the, the standard will never go any better, Andy. Now, you can have, you can have, right. Someone mentioned a while, there, there is a reason why they're all English. You know, there's there's a reason why they can't bring in referees from other countries. Um, <coughs> oh, but they didn't bring the Aussie lads in, though. Yeah, I, look, I don't, I don't know what the crack is. I don't know why in this day and age, half the refs wouldn't, like if half the players, so most of the players are from are for, uh, other countries now. I don't know why the ref, um, the refs can't be. If you do that, it won't be buddy-buddy. Yeah. You can bring in a proper ombudsman and and they can be held accountable and they can, the, the referees that are investigating aren't their mates and they can hold someone accountable and fuck them down into the championship for a few weeks. But um, I don't know whether given, you know, armchair football fans uh, more ammunition is going to make it any better it's going to put them under further pressure and it's it's going to be an even it's bigger it's going to put though. them under pressure Andy to do yeah. the fucking job that's all it's doing I don't think anyone I don't think anyone wants to be recorded in their workplace hold on a minute Andy hold on a minute they are making decisions here teams with technology Right, having discussions with people that are watching sc- multiple screens, right? 
And at the end of it, right, we are still asking questions on a Monday morning as to why the decision was made. How did they come to this thing? Who made the fucking thing? And I keep, I'm saying, I feel like a fucking broken record. I'm saying this 18 months. Who was making the decisions? And when, and you see, the standard will never go up when you don't have full transparency, right, as to how the decision is made. There is transparency. There's not. There is because other, because they can, they're, they are supposed to be regulated by a body of independent referees, but they're, they're mates. So it's not working. But if you, if you, if you split it up and you deregulate and you have referees from all over the place coming in, then that's going to break up the click. Yeah, but what I'm saying to you is, Andy, I can't see the evidence, right, as to how the standard of refereeing can improve working alongside VAR when you continue to see what you're seeing right now up until yesterday, right, and nobody's held accountable. Because they're able to pass it on to someone. There's always that grey area as to who made the decision. How did but you know, the, lo- the, lo- the logic to me at the moment seems to be that obviously a decision is made on the field. Then whoever's sitting on VAR disagrees with that decision that was made on the field. He has, obviously has a word in the referee's ear, tells him he thinks he's maybe got that particular call wrong. Advises him to go to the screen, and then probably nine times out of ten, the referee actually backs down. That's the way it seems to be panning out at the moment, with the odd exception. I think there was one exception this weekend where a penalty was given. He was told to go and have a look at it, and then he he actually upholds the original decision. Um, That's unusual. Which is unusual. It goes against the trend, but that to me seems to be the way all of these. sort of non-offside. In fact, I think for the Brighton one, the referee was asked to go and look at the screen to have a look at an offside, which was a bizarre one. I think he was actually asked to go and have a look to see if in, in his interpretation, the Brighton player made made an attempt at the ball, made a big enough. I think we had a similar one a few years ago where we had a goal disallowed because Van Dyke makes an effort. I think it might have actually been against Everton where Van Dyke makes an effort towards the ball that comes in. Don't think he ultimately gets anything on the ball, and we end up scoring from it. But it gets disallowed because Van Dyke had been in the area and had been offside and showed the intent to try and win the ball. So um, I think that seems to be the logic at the moment. I think if you opened up the mic the way things are right now, I just think it would descend into even more chaos. To be honest with you, I think I think we'd still be left scratching our heads. Yeah, we'd hear the dialogue. But the outcome would be the same. We'd still be seeing goals disallowed that, you know, 95% of the population would think was was a crazy decision to make. And yeah. even, even a lot of the, the fans who've benefited from it would would would, would probably openly admit they kind of got away with things. And I don't think Gav, here the logic think, that was reached on that would change it. I think Gav, a lot, can I just make a sorry, quick point? Sorry, one, just a uh, few lads saying I look stressed out. I'm fucking sick of these referees in VAR, right? Yeah. And, I'm um, sick of the refs, Gav. But like, yeah, I, I am. Just, I am. And I, Red Steve says, Gav, how do you see it improving without VAR? I never called for VAR to be gone. I, I, I haven't called for it. I'm sick and tired of how it's being used, right? I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of these people coming in, having a massive input, Im, input and influence on how games end up. Right, and where teams end up and what they win or what they lose or do they stay up, do they go down, do they win a league, do they not, whatever it might be. And they just continue on week after week after week 
and all you get is, oh, we might have been wrong on that. Yeah, it's That's happened it. twice this season, hasn't it? I think the second week and this week they've said, you know, the PGMOL will, you know, they've they've come out and admitted mistakes and they, they were going to review this, that and the other. But it doesn't change, you know, the points that are now in the league table as a result of those errors. That's, sort of thing. that's a good thing, you know, um, and it's being painted as a bad thing. Like admitting they're wrong is going to, is adds to the kind of transparency again and it means that the proven can be made. If you're not, if you're not measuring these things and you're not opening up and admitting to them, no change can be made. But Gav, just, just on the point of transparency, right? I'll, I'll give you an example of what, um, dampened down the fire about VAR and especially the offsides was, in the four season, you used to see them measuring up the lines, right? And every week, the the conversation was like it was mortar over offsides. And then you went and you watched the Champions League football games, and you didn't see that. You just got to see the finished end product, mm-hmm. and they showed someone was offside, and nobody was talking about it. And everybody said, "They're um, you know, it's much better in the Champions League." But in actual fact, they they weren't being as transparent. But everyone thought it was better. Because the transparency was actually winding people up. It was winding people up who didn't want to understand how it was all being done. They were giving out shit about the horizontal plane. They were, and they didn't know what they were talking about. And they took that away. And the first, the first um, bit of whinging about it is about when someone's slightly offside. And again, it's down to people not trying to understand. So sometimes if you add in that little bit of extra information, it muddies the waters even more. Yeah, completely. And I think... I agree with you on the offside stuff. And um, the offside stuff, I've, I've, you know, um, I've come to accept. You know that these lines will come up. They'll tell you if it's offside or onside. And you know, if you take your red tinted glasses off or whatever team you support, you look at it and go, you know what, they're actually right. But the other stuff, Andy, no, I'm not having them. Not for a mm. second. That you can't be more transparent. And we don't have to wait until Monday morning when someone's when they've when they've divvied up a story between them and they throw it yeah. out there and then at times the story just won't hold. So we just say yeah. we might have been wrong on that. They and did listen, agree. Come here, there's human error in everything, right? But that's what VAR is there for. Right? Yeah. So if you if you look at something and you go, I'm not too sure on that, yeah, I think you might be wrong. Let's go and have a look at it. Let's talk about it. And then people actually understand what, what the ref's seeing, what VAR seeing, and how they come to the decision. My problem is we don't know how they come to the decision and we don't know who's making it. And that's yeah, where you know they get what? away with it. Do you know what, uh, it just reminds you there, Kevin O'Sullivan says, if you're ever in doubt, follow Dale on ESPN and you, you learn a lot. You'll, I mean, you just have to look at his timeline and you'll you'll know how VAR offsides um, operate inside out. Just read his timeline and you'll know. And if you're ever worried, like before you go whinging about one, just go and read his timeline and then it'll calm you down because he knows it inside out. But what bugs me about it is like he's explaining how how it all works but he's getting the blame for the implementation of it he's getting the blame for 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 what's happening but all he's doing is um is is explaining to you there's no point in getting angry with the fellow who's who's trying to educate no you. he's very good he you know and good. that's and, and that's why that's why you put someone like him on telly or you know and they're making up referees and and all of a sudden they're giving you the information but people don't fucking want to know and they just go mad. They go rusher. And I think it's just going to be, I think it'd just be a too much of a distraction away from um, the product. We were up. I could sit down. I don't listen to the lead up anymore. I don't listen to halftime chit chat. I don't listen to full time. Maybe the interviews. I just want to watch the football. And if you're going to have um, a big drama on the pitch of people talking to each other, I don't know. I don't know where that's going to help. 
I think your argument is fine if they were using their technology correctly. Like, the, the, so the decisions there where you just go, there's no way they can come to that decision. No, they're they no use the technology correctly, but they're just uh, making incompetent decisions and yeah. inconsistent consi- yeah. decisions. So, so if, they, you say, if, they, if they get some consistency in what they're doing, and, yeah. the, you know, and the fucking the dog in the street can see that they've made the wrong decision, if they actually start making the right decision, and, they come, yeah. you know, how incompetent they are starts to reduce, yeah, you might turn around and go, you know what, no, they're making, they're making decisions and they're, they're good. But right now, Andy, I'm sorry, if you're going to continue on like this, I'd like to fucking hear where you're coming up with this. That's that's yeah, why yeah. I look at it. Um, Do you know what I mean? Come here. What, what was I going to say to there? The oh yeah, the fells leading up to goals. Mm. That that is a tricky one. Like practically every time somebody loses the ball in midfield and there's a goal scored very quickly, that they can review it back. You know, mm. I think you know the vast majority of goals um, come from someone losing possession and it. it goal is scored quite quickly very few goals are, are scored after 20 or, or 30 passes so normally someone's kind of gave away cheap they're on the ball they're off balance and the ball is won so if they're going back to every single incident to review um whether it was a foul or not like I, they have to have some sort of consistency they have to kind of because most of them most of them are fouls if you see them like that was definitely if like it was only there was only uproar over because a goal got chalked off, but that was a foul. Come on. And Origi's back then was, that was a foul. These are fouls. Jordan Henderson was fouled in the lead up to one of Fulham's goals. They're, they are fouls, but people are so annoyed that a goal is scored and all of a sudden it's chalked off, but these are fouls. So maybe that's something they could be looking at is, I mean, hmm. what is a foul in the middle of the park? Let's, let's decide. Let's decide. Uh, are they all fouls? Or if somebody's off balance and and you know they're out muscled, they've given the ball away cheap and just don't don't go back and um, chalk any of them off. People want consistency, and you just in, in any given weekend you could see one goal given with a foul leading up and another goal the exact same challenge in midfield and it, it isn't given. Yeah, yeah I just, that's, again that's official. That's not VAR. No, 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 it's not. It's not. But well, I, I still think the, the standard we look at now. I think trying to trying to up that standard, I think it's fucking nigh on impossible for with what you have, and not. I wouldn't mind if they were if they were if they were following the letter all the time, and you're frustrated over. It, you go, they're following the letter, and I'm just fucking frustrated. But they're not. They're fucking. They're jumping from fucking Billy to Jack every fucking mm. week, and and I think that's what it might be. But let's be back. I, I get the I get the I get the frustration, Gav. I I to- totally get it. I mean, um. I just, I just don't want to see these referees getting away with, like, by being and VAR off altogether. Oh, I don't no, want to no, see referees continuing to, to get away with what they're getting away with. The, the standard, whether it's it's not going to happen overnight, it's going to take time. But um, I think the next move, the next move, we've I've seen a few comments in the chat around trying <laughs> um, in other sports there being more consistency with the with the you know the VAR crews being the same people now obviously you, you probably just of the logistics of it you're probably going to need because you, you you know this weekend for example i think there was six um three o'clock kickoffs on the saturday so you're going to have to have probably at least six uh var sort of crowds but mm. but essentially i think that might be where that might be the direction they might try and go as you get more 
referees getting to the age where they're no longer going to be on the pitch. You might you might get them trying to assemble this VAR crew, maybe six uh, VAR officials or whatever, and and stick with it that way. And then obviously as the younger referees come through, because we've seen some fresh faces, haven't we, this season already, some, some refs that I've been unfamiliar with. Uh, through watching match of the day. So I think that might be where they try, rather than open it up to transparency, they might try and plug the whole consistency argument by saying, okay, well, it's only going to be these six referees who are ever on VAR. And well, won't be, be, on, be on the pitch one day and then in the VAR the yeah, next yeah. day. You're either in the van or you're and that's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. But, but <laughs> a lot of people said it and Shawnee said it as well. Shawnee was one of them saying, um, VAR should be independent of the PGMOL. You know, um, a lot, of, a lot mm. of people in the chat agreed. Laura Duffy yeah. says in America, the manager of VAR explains major decisions every week on the YouTube channel, and they use the original VAR audio feed. He will actually say if they didn't get it, did or didn't get it. Oh yeah, the guy in New York, isn't but, it? Um, yeah, yeah. But listen, um, I might go out and watch a bit of that. Actually, um, yeah. look, we're an hour and a half in. Um, it's been a really good show, good chat. And we've got through loads and loads and loads of stuff. Um, Andy, anything else before we go? No, someone just pointed out Dicko's uh, being kicked out of a shed. Back <laughs> yeah, he's, got, he's gone from our it's stability. Still, uh, but the Wi-Fi and the aliens, the combo has brought me back into the house yeah. on a permanent yeah. basis. And he's dressed up really a... nicely, isn't he? It's short of being lovely. Yeah, I've had my mid-year review today, so I threw a shirt on for it, you know what I mean? Mid-year. Uh, oh, he's yeah, not too bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, He's showing off his uh, big American fridge as well, yeah. I noticed. Yeah, you're fuming because you're not showing off yours, I'd say. And there's one big difference between uh, above my American fridge and Ray's is mine is full. <laughs> <laughs> you have an ice maker as well. That's yeah, that's the one thing I regret, not getting the ice maker, paying the extra... 100 quid or whatever it was. No, but he, he looks like he drank all the wine over the weekend. He did. So he had his mid-year review. He was celebrating. He's had having four bottles since he got off the phone there at six o'clock. Right. Look, I'm going to Liverpool this weekend to restock up from Asda so that, you know, it'll be full neck this time next week. It'll do be they full do four uh, pound wine, yeah? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Dick has no shame about buying four, four no, pound bottles. So. Screw, screw tops no. all the way or a box of wine. Would you fit a yeah. box of wine in the slots? But, no. Yeah, but Andy, you put fucking book fast into the mad decanters that drip into themselves. No, I don't. I do that. I beg your pardon. What's I'll that thing called you have? An aerator and a decanter. Uh, an aerator. What's the one where it drips in? Yeah, that's the air rate. Yeah. So that saves you. What's that gear? Nineteen crimes you get, and you just. Lash no, we it don't in get nineteen crimes. Yes, you're confusing you me with Big Joe Walsh. I never would. I would that stuff wouldn't touch my lips. <laughs> anyone, ever, if anyone ever wants any advice on wine, Big Joe Walsh is the man. Yeah, he knows all the yeah. vineyards and the vintages. Um, so check him out on um, our bets. He's he's good on the golf as well. But um, listen, we better leg it. That has been. Oh, sorry. Before we go. Um, Bobby's wish to walk. The link is in the description. Um, he's very, very close. He's about 17, 18 grand away from his target. If he gets that, he'll be off to America for his treatment. And then, you know, post-operation, he'll be back here for more treatment and stuff like that. So if you want to donate, you can. The link is in the description, as I've said. You cannot give us super chats on this channel. You can't donate to this channel in any way. Um, we've turned all that off to make sure that if you want to do want to give money, you give it to Bobby. So go and check that out. He's seven years of age. And if he, if he can get this... Um, 
ASAP. It'll be absolutely amazing. Um, we were talking last night about the charity game that's on on Saturday in Richmond Park, the home of St. Pat's. Um, Shawnee was giving you the shout on that as well. Um, all the details are on our show last night. It's, it's on our Twitter as well, but we'll make sure um, tomorrow it'll go on across all our social media as well for that. It looks like a really good day with some Liverpool legends as well. Barry Devney says 19 crimes is nice wine to be fair and he's just got sick a little bit in his mouth. Um, that has been Winners and Losers. We will talk to you all again soon. Over and out. Sports Social Podcast Network.